Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, based on wherever you are in the world today. Welcome to Supply Chain Now. Scott Luton and Greg White with you today for a great, great show. Greg, how are we doing? We're doing great. You know, I thought just thought about when we, when it, whenever you say that, it could actually be tomorrow somewhere that we're talking to. Straight up noon here, right? <laughs> Continuing but, the theme, Greg misses nothing. Do we say nothing. happy tomorrow or <laughs> it's today oh. there? Uh, we'll, we'll have to ponder that yeah, let us. <laughs> through the weekend. But folks, uh, today, once again, not only do we have Greg White back, the one only Greg White back who's, who's, who's had his hands full lately, we have uh, an outstanding show teed up all around yeah. the ever-shifting, ever-evolving, ever-challenging world of freight. So on this episode, we're going to be sharing key insights from one of the leading transportation industry resources. Y'all know it. It's the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index, but this time for Q3 2021. Greg, hard to believe we're already talking in review in the in the rearview mirror about Q3, huh? It's true. I was just talking to somebody the other day and they said it is almost November. Right? I mean, it, it is really this year unlike last year, which shall not be named. Right? This year has flown by, it feels like, doesn't it? I mean, does it to you? Oh, as well? no, undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. And of course, I can only remember just a few of the headaches we've all experienced uh, here in 2021. So, but you know, all that said, we have a, a slew of new best practices, right? New learnings, new takeaways that supply chains around the world are applying. But a lot of them come out of conversations like the one we're, we're going to have here today is we're going to be gaining key takeaways from freight payment index from two business leaders with extensive experience in the transportation markets. So Greg, yeah. Before we introduce our guests and before we say hello to a few folks and Peter and Sushil, great to see y'all here today. Tell us about this ongoing collaboration that we've had now with U.S. Bank because they're one of the leading financial institutions involved in powering global supply chain, especially uh, transportation. So tell us about why U.S. Bank. Well, so it turns out, Scott, when people ship things, the people who ship them for them want to get paid. What? Is that not... <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant concept that is. Right. But, and of course, there are hundreds, thousands, millions of shipments all over the world all the time. And U.S. Bank is one of the key resources for funding that, for making sure that those payments happen. $31.4 billion worth of transactions in the last year. And well, in last year, remember that year that shall not be named. Right. And, and of course, that gives them an incredible amount of insight into where things are going, how many shipments are being made, what the cost is, whether that cost is fluctuating up or down. And, and Bobby Holland, who everybody, almost everybody knows, and those of you who don't, you soon will, Bobby's brilliance. And what he and his crew do is, is they put together this index that shows us how things are trending, how they compare to the last quarter, how do they compare to the last year and that, that sort of thing. And that's a really, it's a really important service, particularly now. And I got to say, I'm not going to, no, no spoiler alert here, but it's really a little bit, it's really a little bit jumbled 
this time around. And I think people will be interested to see how things and why things trends mostly have shifted. So it'll be interesting to go through this this time. I can't agree with you more. Really enjoyed the prep shows and all the prep work that goes into some of these things. Uh, the U.S. Bank team in particular, gosh, to put out something as comprehensive as, as the freight payment index. They went into overdrive in the, over these last few weeks. I want to say hello, Greg, to a few folks, and then we're going to sure. welcome in our guests here today. So Peter Bolay, all night and all day, always with us. Uh, he's off in 15 minutes, he says, to get supplies to install the under cabinet lighting in the kitchen. How about that for a project? Have he shown his kitchen since he finished it? And I hope those lights are LED, Peter. <laughs> I mean, not, not just for the environmental factor, but back when you could only get halogens, halogens create a tremendous amount of heat underneath your cabinets. We had under cabinet lighting that was halogen. Just astounding the amount of heat that generates. Anyway, man, one minute I'm sitting next to Greg White, next minute I'm sitting next to Bob Villa. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing that Greg does not offer expertise on. Hey, Peter Bole, uh, great to have you here today and really enjoyed your uh, popping in yesterday as well. So, Shield is with us via LinkedIn. So, Shield, great to see you here today. Looking forward to your POV. And, and folks, we want to hear from you. We've got two experts really three, I'm going to throw Bavi in there as well, that you're going to be hearing from throughout the hour, but we want to hear from you as well. So hello, Sushil. And then Jeff Leroy, a great friend of the show. Jeff leads one of the supply chain organizations down in Savannah. And you talk about a growing Mecca for all things logistics and transportation. Savannah is a dy dynamic market, right? Yeah. Harder and harder to brag about not having the container and ship jam like the West coast has, right? I think that's right. I'd love to hear what, if Jeff's got eyes on that and kind of where that stands. That's right. Jeff, all the best to you and your family and great to see you here today. We welcome your perspective. And, and yes, just to, just to knock off the, the important things here, Peter says, yes, low voltage LEDs. All right. So Greg, are you ready to welcome in our two esteemed guests here today? Yeah, particularly today because one of them represents several of our favorite, the world's favorite foods. So yes. We and we're going to, <laughs> we're going to establish that because yeah. you're absolutely right. want to welcome in Bobby Holland, director of freight data solutions at us bank and Patricia Gabriel, vice president, us customer service and with Mondelez international. Hey, Hey, Bobby, Patricia, how are we doing this afternoon? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing wonderful here in the home studio yeah. in this, on this gorgeous Metro Atlanta afternoon. And we have got some some wonderful, hardworking folks just on the other side of the wall. Y'all might can hear them. I don't know, but it's a guess. Got to be a gorgeous day to be outside uh, making stuff happen. But in the meantime, Greg, we're really excited as y'all heard to tee up this episode here today. Focus on the Q3 freight payment index and continuing our our work with with uh, the U.S. Bank team and Patricia. Gosh, as Greg alluded to. Mondelez is one of our favorite companies. And Greg, go ahead and let us cat out of the bag. Why is that? Because Mondelez, among other things, makes Oreo cookies, the greatest food on the planet, and Toblerone and a ton of other products like that. So we've hit kind of the US centric with Oreo and Toblerone, of course, known worldwide. So, and World. I, don't, I, don't, I can't even list all the others. But <laughs> how would I we survive you, without Greg. you, Patricia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, many more. <laughs> yeah, that is right. And we enjoyed our prep 
conversations with you both, Patricia in particular. I think we talked a little bit about chocolate and beer, one of our collective favorites. But for starters, before we dive into the freight payment index, let's get to know you all a little bit better. Let's start with Bobby. Bobby, of course, you've you've had you've been here sending two appearances with us. We've always enjoyed those. Refresh our listeners' memory of who Bobby Holland is. Well, I've uh, been with U.S. Bank for five years. Um, I come from a, a long software engineering and software development background. So being a data-related, data science-oriented, not a data scientist, data science-oriented product manager, uh, this is kind of in my wheelhouse. So Wonderful. And Greg, no one cuts through the tidal wave of data to offer real signals and things you got to pay attention to, like Bobby, even if he says data science oriented. I'm with you, Bobby. I can't, I can't own anything science related, but Greg, Bobby's one heck of a resource, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you've ever seen this freight index, you've seen his handiwork and of course the handiwork of the entire U.S. bank team, but making sure that we distill this down. What I love about this thing is it's perfect for me to analyze. And I think a lot of people probably like Patricia to analyze because you can get through it so quick. It's visually engaging. The explanations are complete but concise. And you don't feel like you're reading a novel every time you read this thing. And it's every single time, you know, there's something surprising in this. And this time around is no different for sure. Well said, Greg. Speaking of Patricia. Hey, Patricia, uh, same question for you. Tell us a little about yourself here. Yes. Uh, so my name is Patricia. I'm uh, working at Mondelez International, as you say. It's much more brands than the one you refer to, although the Oreo is obviously iconic and Toblerone as well. But we also sell fresh kits, we do rates, uh, we do milk at chocolates. I'm working there as uh, really into the transportation, logistics, distribution, customer service. So obviously my life over the last year and a half have been a very exciting the challenges that we are going through uh, as a market and, and, and across actually. I've been in supply chain and very uh, like for more than, 10, more than 20 years, we'll say 20 year plus, okay? And You're not learning. Only, <laughs> not only into chocolate, but also into the beer industry, which has, uh, as a good Belgian that I am, yes, I'm not French. I know I have the French accent, but actually in Belgium, we speak French as well. So as a Belgian, having done part of my career in the beer industry and part in the chocolate, I think it's a good, uh, um, a, a good strategy. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been doing distribution, logistics, customer service for a long time now. Very excited to be there and uh, discussing on the uh, freight index. I love yeah, that. We're glad, we're glad to have you. You just throw waffles into that mix and eventually, and you'll have it, the entire country covered, right? You'll have done everything. <laughs> Well, so Greg, talk about passion. Goodness gracious, uh, Patricia and Bobby has got it in truckloads as measured every quarter here on Supply Chain. Now, so Patricia, yeah. welcome. Big fans of the Mondelez team. All right, so Greg, and by the way, let's uh, let's confirm. Jeff says yes. Savannah Port does have plenty of container congestion and backlogging. You know that was, as we all know, for a long time, that was the uh, one of the main alternatives, right? Wait, Folks? yeah, yeah, that's right. People were coming through the canal to Houston and Jacksonville and Charleston and Savannah. And I think they're all starting to stack up, but let's just pause for just a moment. I think Bobby's taking notes here. He's gonna be looking into that for the next, right? Freight payment index quarterly report. That's right. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> miss anything either. Jeff, you might, you might get a phone call <laughs> in the name of research. 
So Greg, um, with Bobby and Patricia here, where are we going next? Yeah. So uh, look, aside from what we talked about before we brought you both on the $31.4 billion worth of transactions that, that U.S. Bank facilitates, Bobby, tell us a little bit about, you know, why you do this, how, you know, kind of how you accumulate the data and just give people again a baseline for how the index works. Well, Greg, as you mentioned, uh, the $31.4 billion in uh, freight transactions, you know, shippers and carriers uh, generates a lot of data. And we want to be able to provide value to our customers using that data. And so one of the ways that we've done this and our first project and product uh, from my product team was the freight payment index. And we wanted to demonstrate well, we wanted to first add our perspective to the marketplace. We're not saying that we are the end all and be all of, of, of indexes or indices. We basically wanted to provide another perspective uh, to give our customers and the market at large another data point. And so that's basically what the freight index was, uh, another data point to uh, help in their decision making. And it provides our perspective. We wanted to add the regional perspective since that wasn't represented uh, in the marketplace. And so that's uh, what we brought to bear. Well, you might not say you're the end all be all, but I will. I mean, $30 billion <laughs> worth of transactions speaks to it. And as you said, you capture a lot of volume and, and you added, of course, the regional breakdown is is really important and I think particularly interesting this time around. So, Patricia, maybe you can give us some insight how you at Mondelez use this index. You know, we love to have professionals who are on the ground or, you know, in the marketplace seeing what what the data represents and and it's great to understand how you all use it we definitely use it a lot obviously because uh, to to what uh, bobby was saying it provides us uh, a very good market indicator definitely uh, and understand also how we are performing uh, and how our rates are in line with the market the regional breakdown is also very insightful for us um, as as obviously we are uh, moving product across the United States. So we definitely use and leverage really to understand some of the indicators that are helping us. The data set is always, and the visualization is, is very, very insightful. We are also using obviously other uh, data and analytics, I think, especially uh, uh, in the current circumstances, we need to understand more the leading indicator because at the end of the day, it's also for us understanding the past to also predict and forecast how the next quarter is going to be as well, right? Because this is uh, uh, this is part as well of uh, of the big questions for us: how to stay agile. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty common. I mean, when we started doing this, Bobby and Scott, I know you remember we had the VP of Logistics at Home Depot, and very similar, right? It gives you both an indication of what just happened, <laughs> which I think is a feeling a lot of people have right now. But also it does give you some indication as to trend and the regional part of it, especially for someone who ships nationally and, of course, internationally, as you do. I got to imagine that that is having an impact on on your business regionally. And it has to be impacting margins differently in different areas of the country. So knowing that breakdown is really important. Mm. Well said. Well said. And Patricia. I bet you've got some big time to do's on that board just over your left shoulder, right? That's the one of my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> See your daughters. <laughs> we have an open space policy here, an open office policy. Uh, open office, great. So is that, does one of those say study for the SAT? Because 
we know you have that coming up also, right? This one is all in seventh grade. Look at her to-do list. <laughs> wow, man. We'll have to see if we can't get her into, into the supply chain industry. She's clearly a planner and a doer. Well, kidding aside, Patricia, I appreciate that. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Larry Klein down in uh, Albany, Georgia, I believe. Larry, hope this finds you well. And great to see you here today. I want to hear you know, whether you're Jeff, Peter, uh, Sushil, you name it, all the other listeners want to hear your take on freight markets, global supply chain, name it, some of what we're talking about here today. All right. So, Bobby, I want to circle back to you. I want to ask you, starting you know, uh, with the Q3 freight payment index, what is this one telling us? And let's start from that national point of view. Give us that overview. Well, nationally, we saw growth, but it was a slow growth, slightly slower pace than the third quarter. We've found or believe this is largely due to things like you know, COVID-19 impacts, you know, particularly from the Delta variant. We've talked and alluded to supply chain constraints, uh, some of which include, you know, auto plant showdown, slowdowns and shutdowns uh, due to things like, you know, the microchip shortage and other components and put, you know, other input components to the manufacturing process. And then we also had, you know, storms. So all of these things were, we called them out in the index as headwinds. But then on the other side, we had drivers such as, you know, the port traffic that we've talked about. We still had solid home construction activity. Consumer spending still been pretty robust. Traffic has still been moving across, you know, Mexico and Canadian borders. And then we also, in some non-automotive sectors, had uh, input improved factory output. So basically it just results in an overall growth, but again, not as, as robust or as fast paced as it was in second quarter. Yep. Outstanding. And, and we're sharing some of the visuals there, of course, to uh, sign up for this report for free, check out freight.usbank.com and uh, you'll get a, your own copy each quarter. Before we go region by region, uh, Bobby and uh, with Bobby, uh, Greg and Patricia, any initial takeaways, Greg, I'll start with you. Any initial takeaways, just kind of speaking to that, that overall bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, I, when when you think about it from the large picture standpoint, it's hard to it's hard not to be surprised that that the impact of constraint largely stems. I think I think it, it this speaks to this largely. It it largely speaks to the constraint of the workforce, because the reason that semiconductors are not available and various and other things is because people aren't back at work yet in the states. Many are not right. So I guess I was really, really surprised at the impact that that continues to have. And you start to see and you and people will see it as we go through the rest of this report. You start to see the circularity and kind of network effect of that on the supply chain. One thing affects the next and the next and the next. And it comes back to, you know, all the way around. So that that was probably the biggest uh, takeaway I saw at a macro level. Yep, quite a cycle. And Patricia, anything to add on the front end before we go down region by region? No, we still we have seen definitely a third quarter with a very strong demand across uh, across the markets, and and obviously the capacity. And and we're going to discuss this in the regional insights. But the capacity didn't really improve. We still have the the, the driver shortage, the new trucks not coming in, and so on. So we we see. We have seen obviously the impact for us as an industry, obviously, and and the pricing and the, how difficult it gets to only secure capacity. Not even talking about price, is how do we get trucks and access to trucks? So really, 
it, it really gets into a fight for capacity right now, even beyond the pricing. Wonderful. I appreciate that, Greg and Patricia. And so, Bobby, with that said, let's go down uh, region by region and and give kind of some of your key takeaways, and then we'll get Greg and, and Patricia to offer up some color commentary. Let's start with the Northeast Division. And, and really quick uh, to our listeners, so the freight payment index is broken up as they when they you know dive a little deeper to five regions, Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, Southwest, and West. And we're going to work these from East Coast to West and get a little more uh, lower altitude, a little more specificity in what we're seeing. So, Bobby, let's start with the Northeast. Okay, so what we saw in the Northeast, uh, it had its largest quarter-to-quarter gain in more than two years. And, of course, that covers the COVID period, the heavy COVID-19 period where the Northeast got really hammered in that regard with the shutdowns, but it was up uh, 5.1% from Q2, has one of the uh, most population dense areas. And so with that retail sales um, have a big impact on shipments. And then we also, on the other side of that coin, we see that you know housing starts slowed. So uh, a lot of the, the, the housing prices are going crazy, it appears I can personally attest to, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not new stuff. It's, it's, you know, selling old inventory. So uh, housing starts were, you know, basically flat. Um, so again, modest, moderate growth uh, in the shipment side. And then the spin index was up about 3.1%. And again, um, as we've been talking about, and you'll kind of hear that, as you pointed out earlier, Greg, a recurring theme of higher diesel prices and tight industry capacity. Uh, one of the things you know that we've started to see more this quarter than previous quarters is the impact of you know not only the um, truck driving shortage, but actually the truck shortage. Uh, right. There were some allusions to it back, I think, even as early as like the Q4 of last year start to inkling about it a little heavier in Q1, but now to your point earlier, uh, it's making a, a more severe impact across the board because all the clever and creative things that, you know, both shippers and carriers and, and, and all associates had to do to accommodate these things. That's like basically one other item that's kind of being slowly taken off the table. So, mm. or at least impacted heavily. Mm. The hits keep on coming for sure there in the Northeast. Any uh, commentary there, Greg or Patricia? Yeah, I think Forrest agree with what Bobby said. I think we, as shippers, we still see limited capacity in the Northeast uh, into New England and so on. There's a lack of return freight, obviously. So it's hard to get carriers moving some of the loads because, to be honest, they don't, they, they cannot return and, um, and then they will prefer to uh, to move the loads on, on another lane. So we'll definitely uh, see that impact. And the shortage, I mean, we touched base a little bit on the shortage of drivers, but overall, the, the shortage on labor, also in the warehousing and in the trucking uh, industries, is, is also very prominent in the Northeast. So you see so this impact into some of the businesses and warehouses in the in that uh, in that region. And Greg, I'm gonna give you the last word on the mighty Northeast. Yeah, well, I think it's, I saw Bobby probably acknowledge this too when Patricia said it, the lack of backhaul freight is a significant issue in the Northeast all the time. And we've talked yep. about that in previous uh, reports as well. But now I would imagine with the with the rates being where they are, that's stunting that demand even further, which is making it harder to find carriers to go into these more, I don't know if I'd say remote, but whatever, 
less populated areas because they're less likely to find a return haul out of there. Mm. Well said. And that is certainly a recurring theme. I want to bring in a comment here uh, from Kelly Barner. So some of y'all may know Kelly Barner leads our dial P for procurement and also buyers meeting point. Kelly says, I know one of the ideas that has been floated is bringing the national guard in to help drive trucks. That is going to be a challenge here in the Northeast where she uh, uh, lives. Uh, we have some of the strictest vaccine mandates in the nation. So the national guard has already been called up to drive school buses, work in hospitals, prisons, state police, you name it. So that wow. is a great perspective there, Kelly. Thanks so much for sharing. And I can confirm that we have a shortage of bus drivers, cool bus driver here as well. <laughs> That's <laughs> that finally, pink note Our on families the understand the challenges we have in terms of tracking capacity and drivers. <laughs> you know, we can't let one of these shows, thank you for sharing that, Patricia. We can't let one of yeah. these shows take place without calling out the need to hug on those truck drivers. They have such a tough, tough job and uh, lots of burnout there, lots of, uh, as we've learned firsthand, mistreatment, and uh, they're the backbone of the industry. So thank you for sharing that, Patricia. Okay, so from the northeast, let's keep driving here to the southeast, uh, Bobby. What is uh, what are we seeing in the southeast? Okay, the, the southeast region was one of the ones that, uh, from a shipment's perspective, that contracted, uh, slowed about 2.9% from the previous quarter. Um, this is the Midwest is the other uh, contracting region with shipments. But we know that the southeast was impacted by severe weather, as well as, you know, fluctuations due to COVID-19. Right. But they're also impacted by auto production, which declined as well for all the reasons that we've previously discussed. But on the other hand, you know, housing starts are still elevated there. And we've talked about that in previous versions of the index where the cycle is catastrophe, insurance, and then rebuilding truck uh, freight increases. So, you know, we'll be looking to see if that cycle repeats itself here. Um, but again, shipments down and spend up. Yep. Uh, and really quick before we get Greg and Patricia to respond, uh, Kelly says having a national guard drive trucks is a fabulous idea supply chain now and much less scary than driving a school bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. True. Good stuff there, Kelly. You can protect um, the load as well as haul the load. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> so continuing on Southeast uh, and let's go to uh, Patricia first. Any, anything else stick out to you, Patricia? I think uh, the storm and the weather has definitely impacted the uh, the third quarter for the southeast. Um, not as bad as some other years, to be very honest. I think it was not uh, as bad as we anticipated, um, but uh, for the rest, yes. And it's also like the northeast, there's uh, also a lack of uh, return freight into the southeast, obviously uh, putting a lot of pressure on the, uh, on the capacity. Yeah, thank you for that, Patricia. Greg? I'm only speculating, but I think one of the things that this, the particular case of the Southeast and the Midwest, which we'll talk about in a second, um, makes me believe is that the, the cost and availability is suppressing demand because while shipments are down, I know there are plenty of shipments that are, you know, it's probably latent demand out there, things that can't be shipped because because there aren't enough drivers. And so the attempt or the transaction of a shipment payment never actually occurs, right? So that was a bit of a, that was a bit of an epiphany for me is that at this point the demand the the limitations of capacity are actually suppressing demand. 
Bobby, does that, I mean, does that kind of uh, jive with what you're, with what you've seen in the data? Possible. It's possible. Uh, like I said, the, the, the usual things that um, our customers have to do to manage around these obstacles um, seem to compound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can only go so far with, you know, shifting things around. And, you know, we were even reading articles and, and looking at, and seeing things about, you know, cannibalizing truck fleets. You know, so af- after a point, you you there's only so much you can do, and then you just have to work with what you have. You can't yeah. get more clever, and so that's basically an indication of what you just stated that you, once you reach that limit, you've just got to let it ride out with what yeah. you have. Well said. All right, so that was the southeast, and Bobby, from there, we're gonna uh, move, start to move our way westward, and we're gonna talk about the Midwest. So, what are we seeing there in the Midwest? Midwest, as I stated, was the other region that was down uh, from a shipments volume perspective. It was down basically less than 1%, 0.7%. The spend, however, grew 3% from the second quarter. So again, less things happening. And auto production is big in the Midwest. And it was off more than 30% from a year earlier. Again, because critical uh, aspects of the supply chain for auto manufacturing were missing. You know, microchips uh, are the ones that, you know, make the news um, that everybody's familiar with. Because a lot of the, not only is it the auto manufacturing, but a lot of the the, the, the freight that comes out of the Midwest is auto related. There's an impact to that as well. Um, but the spend wise, uh, the fuel prices are still going up. Uh, one of the things we quoted in the index was that Diesel rose about 3%, almost 4% in the third quarter. And basically, it's up almost 44% from last year. So, you know, you can do the math and just see that's why, um, you know, spend was so much, uh, so many orders of magnitude over what uh, the shipment volume increase or the shipment volumes were. All right, so coming to you first, Greg, when talking about the Midwest, some of what Bobby shared versus maybe other things you saw in the analysis. Anything stick out? Well, let's get, uh, what started to stick out as I went through this analysis myself was that this is become this is a familiar tune. There aren't enough trucks. There aren't enough people driving the trucks, right? And um, fuel prices are very, very high. Forty percent. They were up forty percent in the southeast. So basically. Fuel prices are up 30 to 44% across the nation, right? So just to give you an idea, anything that cost you two bucks before, right, now costs you 267 and and diesel fuel is much higher than that. So um, you can- Yeah, I think it's about 370 now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Roughly. So that's, yeah, I saw, I saw a bargain yesterday, Bobby, 345. <laughs> As you were driving the truck through Atlanta, Greg, right? That's right. Well, I I was just checking out all the fuel (laughs) prices to see how high they were. And then I went to Costco. But I think this was the point about the third of the of the regions that I started to analyze that I went. It's the same story nationwide. You're going to hear it. But there uh, there are certain other impacts as well. And, And I think one of the things we need to recognize is that trucks, just like cars, they expire, right? They have extended their useful life. Bobby said you can only get so, I want to say cheeky, uh, but you can only get so clever with trying to keep these things on the road. And then eventually you've got 
we've got to get it off the road and there aren't enough trucks there to replace it. So even if we do have the drivers, we don't have the trucks and we don't have the trucks because we don't have the workers in the factories and we don't have the workers in the factories, right? Because people aren't going back to work. So mm. that will, I believe, start to abate because now that the federal pandemic un unemployment insurance is, is going away, people have rolled to their respective state unemployment insurance. And now with the actual requirement of having to actually look for a job to keep getting it. So people will have to start going back to work, but it is, I have to say, much slower uh, than I expected mm. at, at any job, not just driving, right? right. But at any job. It's probably going to slow ramp back up to repair, to repair the damage to the supply chains. It's not just going to you know, pop yeah, back I mean, as soon no. as people start going back to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, the challenges certainly will keep coming. Uh, Patricia, uh, your thoughts when it comes to the Midwest. Yeah, I think what we have seen that we didn't talk yet about is obviously um, it's the congestion that we see on the intermodal around Chicago. Right. And obviously this the congestion is is well known. It's there for quite some time, but it, it definitely got worse even in, in the third quarter. And uh, and then everybody's converting, obviously, to uh, uh, to trucks, and this put even more pressure, I would say. So that's definitely something that uh, that was also um, uh, experienced from our side and, and from the market. That's a great call out, Patricia. Uh, mm -hmm. I read somewhere that there was uh, in one of the uh, big uh, rail yards a 25 mile backup. Yeah. for rail cars to get into man holy cow uh by the way larry klein says more loads smaller trucks simple solutions maybe we'll see larry uh hey well you know along those lines greg one company speaking of more loads smaller trucks or smaller loads you know roadie of course I cannot remember who acquired them not too long ago but, but ups ups did it's right so yeah. you know freeing up the trunk of a sedan to make a delivery. Fascinating times we live in for sure. Um, Hard okay. to fit a pilot in of Oreos in a sedan, however. <laughs> That's true. Believe but you know me, what? I've tried. <laughs> you beat me to it, Greg. You beat me to it. That coming. Hey, uh, we do love our Oreos around here. Okay. So that is the Midwest. And by the way, I'm going to share Joshua's comment here. He says, can't wait until we get to the West Coast where diesel prices are out of control and the ports are clogged with empty containers. Joshua. Excellent points and looking forward to your POV as well. All right. So from the Midwest, Bobby, let's move from the Midwest to the Southwest. So tell us what you see there. Uh, Southwest shipments rose about 2%, 1.9% over Q2, um, about 4.3% from a year earlier. And what we see in the Southwest is still um, high retail sales levels. Um, housing starts growing. Uh, you know, uh, consumer consumption is also growing, even though there's a surge of uh, COVID-19 Delta variant in some places in the Southwest. Interesting thing was seeing crude oil rig counts jumping almost 10% uh, from the second to the third quarter, which um, is helping bolster um, shipments. Um, and then same with uh, the, the Mexico, it's a cross-border shipments from Mexico. Um, rising, and since the Southwest has one of the largest number of ports of land land ports um, in the across their border, uh, again, it's helping to buoy up um, their shipment traffic. Yeah. So, Greg, talking about the Southwest, what else comes to mind based on what you heard Bobby say and, and what the data is telling you, as well as 
you know, our, our, our fingers on the pulse across supply chain? Well, I think it, as we, I believe it was last quarter also, energy shipments are largely booing this, this segment of the country, right? Um, because oil prices are higher, people are apparently putting in more wells. Though I have to say, Bobby, that was a surprise to me. Yep. Almost 10% increase. Um, but that's what's, what's moving. At the same time, all of that goodness is just barely getting growth into the system quarter over quarter and year over year, and yet prices are still rising dramatically. Yeah, the, the spend index was up almost 6%, which, you know, in these modest rises is a pretty pretty good sized one, especially for the Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in 20, what, 27, almost 27% year over year as well. So that, I mean, so we're continuing to see that inflation, there it is, that inflation in shipment uh, cost and spend um, grow. Not as much, I think overall, Bobby, not as much as Q2, but still pretty significant mm. in, in terms of, of uh, rate or or spend increase. Great. So coming to you next, Patricia, when we look at the south Southwest, what we're seeing there, uh, what comes to mind? Yeah, the, t- the capacity is very tight on the cross-border, as Bobby mentioned, right? There's a clear imbalance between the export and import, so you don't very hard to find trucks. And then as we, with international shipments, we can't go into model so much because it gets congested in the Midwest. You've, you've go back to truckloads that you can't still not find out of Laredo and, and the Texas border, right? So, uh, so, so this is about trying to find the capacity moving from one problem to another problem. And when we're going to get most probably on the West, we're going to discuss on the port congestion. So, so it feels like a little bit of a domino effect uh, and you're trying to fix somewhere and then it, it appears somewhere else. Right? So. Peter to pay Paul comes to mind in, in many ways there. I want to uh, bring up, so Joshua knows where we're going. We're about to move to the West coast where we're seeing some big things. Uh, he says, I heard that the port of Oakland has excess capacity. How feasible would it be to redirect shipments up North? I'll tell you, as we've seen Greg here on the East coast, folks have moved from Savannah to Charleston, which is just, I don't know how many nautical miles that is, but Charleston has been benefiting from some of the congestion in the Savannah port. Uh, so Joshua knows where we're going. So on that note, then Bobby, let's talk about the Western regions. What are we seeing there? The West had one of the largest gains, uh, especially on the shipment side. They were up 13.8% uh, from the second quarter. And we've been talking about it in bits and pieces about the significant activity in the West, which is reflected in high port volumes and uh, lots of trucking activity attempting to move that uh, from the port into uh, into the state and into the country. Um, however, from a shipment perspective, there was a slowdown in housing starts up over last year, but still fell from the previous quarter. On the spend side, it was up almost 16% from second quarter, which was a second straight gain, about 44% over last this time period last year. Again, strong freight rates for all the reasons that we've talked about. Um, one of the big ones is, and part of the port congestion, port congestion issue is, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the last uh, index call, which is the 
retailers trying to replenish their their stores, right? Uh, as well as to prepare for the holiday season in this in this quarter. And so again, they're trying to get as much in as they possibly can. And then on top of that, you have high you know, fuel prices. The diesel was up 5.6 percent over Q2 and 37 percent over you know a year earlier. So. It's all same theme, putting pressure on all the activity that is attempting to rectify previous problems. Mm. Well, hey, really quick, as we talk, as of course, we've been in like, feels like a year round peak. Uh, Amanda was telling me, who, who's Amanda, Jada, Clay, and Allie, appreciate y'all's uh, production work here today, that Target has rolled out an incentive that uh, encouraging folks to buy now. Mm-hmm. And if there's a discount later, as we you know get into the holidays and first of the year, They'll just offer up that refund based on where that discount was. I, I think it's it's interesting to see how that will play out, Greg and Patricia and Bobby. But um, let's talk about the West for a second. So based on what Bobby shared there, Greg, uh, what else sticks out uh, in the, the wild, wild West? So I, I think the increase in shipments shows that they are actually getting goods through the ports finally, even though we talk a lot about port congestion and it's always about Long Beach and L.A., they must be getting goods through to have that level of of increase in terms of shipments. You know, the pricing is confiscatory, of course. And, um, and, but, I mean, this is the market that we live in. And by the way, to answer Joshua's earlier question, if the capacity is there, somebody ought to test it. Unless there is something fatally flawed about the Port of Oakland, then yes, it is absolutely feasible because Joshua, a lot of those shipments are actually going through the the, the canal to Houston or Jacksonville or uh, Savannah or Charleston, as Scott was talking about. So it, I would think Oakland would be much more feasible for at least a certain number of shipments than, than doing all of that. Well said. Confiscatory. That's a new one for me, Greg. Gosh, I'm going to have to look up my book. I'm going to have to bring my uh, dictionary to these, these conversations. All right, Patricia. So a lot, no shortage of things going on in the West. What sticks out to you? Yeah, not much more, by the way. I'm not even trying to say that word. It's, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet it sounds I, I, great I, with, a, with a Belgian accent. Yeah. Probably <laughs> <laughs> sounds much more intelligent. I think the point of that, that we are all making, indeed, the retailer brought a lot of the seasonal products as, as ahead of time as they could. I think for us, the big unknown is how much the consumer will also react to the supply chain uh, disruption that we see buying ahead of the holiday season, the Christmas gifts and and, the, and, and Thanksgiving. And so so this is definitely uh, also a potential shift into uh, some of the behavior that, uh, uh, that, that we see because these supply chain disruptions are really everywhere now in the news. And I think there's a much better understanding and awareness of the consumer, which can be also very tricky, by the way, but, uh, because we need to make sure the product is already there, right? So right. Um, this is really for us the preparation of the, uh, of the season. Excellent point, uh, Patricia. Excellent point. Gosh, no shortage of things. We need, uh, feels like we need a couple extra hours as always, Bobby and Greg and Patricia. All right. So Greg, uh, where are we going next with this esteemed panel? I think it's time to ask the big question. The one where Bobby has to recuse himself. But before we do that, I'd like to, Bobby, whatever you can share with this, that is either analytic historically or indicative, maybe of the future or whatever you can share. I'd love to hear kind of what you, what is your big takeaway here? 
Uh, the big takeaway, uh, I think, is just that the the problems that are being experienced, I think that they will be handled, but I don't think the solutions are going to be, or the impacts of the solutions are going to be immediate. I think that ultimately we're going to crest this hill, but it's going to take a, you know, it's going to be a long cresting. It's not going to be like things are going to bounce back or snap back in Q4 or even by Q1. Because again, the 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 fact that the supply chain is is so severely impacted, it can't snap back, you know, in one or two quarters. So, 2022 should still continue to be an interesting year with a lot of contra- contradictions. Excellent point. And you know, Greg, speaking mm-hmm. of not being able to snap back, there's some systemic things that have ha- must be addressed in order to uh, mitigate future situations like this. And we we talked, the ports, of course, has been a a main theme here. And you look at from uh, Gene Soroka to many others that that know ports best, we got some catching up to do in terms of how data and visibility is shared multi-party. You know, Greg, you and I have talked about kind of the the fiefdoms that are created and and it's it's, uh, uh, that co-opetition between the ports, right? That takes place. How, How can we systematize that in a much more holistically efficient manner? Uh, the truck driver situation that, that we talk about every time we have this show, uh, we talked about here. I mean, that that's a system. How can we we change the role there? How can we change um, how that profession is also treated within industry? No shortage of really systemic issues that aren't re- going to be resolved overnight. But Greg, what's, what are your key takeaways? You and Patricia's, what else are you thinking here before we move into wrap up? Well, to the point that Bobby made earlier, e- even when we do get people back to work, Right. Even when the government stops paying people to stay away from work and and largely has to their credit, finally, to this, you know, at this point, it is going to take a while because people have not just stayed away and collected money from the government. They've stayed away and rethought their priorities. Right. And it was hard enough to get drivers before covid. Right. The incoming generations of workers are not inclined to be long haul truck drivers. What we've seen is some, to some extent, I've seen some reports of, of actually baby boomers coming out of retirement to become drivers because they're willing to do that job or, or whatever, but that's not going to be enough. So, you know, to the, the point that I think everyone has made, this will not be a rapid recovery. We will probably see ebbs and flows like this. We'll see differing regional effects. I mean, winter is about to come to the Northeast where Bobby lives and to the upper Midwest, and that will start to impact things. And with with so many people in supply chain already on their heels with uncommon supply chain disruptions like government intervention, then uh, when the natural uh, disruptions come like weather, they're less equipped. As Bobby said, they're doing all these clever things to fix the problems they have today. They have to adapt those clever things when the natural occurrences of storms and weather and, you know, and seasonality of of peak occur. So uh, I think that, you know, the big takeaway is we're a long way from seeing any kind of stability. I would argue even indicative trends or changes uh, in in the data here and and probably and, and certainly on the ground. But I'm not on the ground, so I'd love to hear what you think. I think, Greg, you're spot on on the drivers. I think that this is really 
it was already difficult before. It's going to be even more difficult, I think, to find drivers, especially for the long haul distances. This is really not an attractive job uh, like it might have been in the past. I think that we, we are entering a fourth quarter uh, and the, the supply chain employees, wherever they are, whatever they're working on, a transportation, on warehousing, on manufacturing, people are exhausted. Let's be very honest. They have gone through a lot of the COVID challenges, obviously, but, but also of the fact that the demand is there and, and, and the economy is, it has, has picked up and so on. We keep asking more, but we, with less, actually. So I think it will take time before uh, uh, before we start resuming a little bit of uh, and I cannot even say normality because I think it will never go back to uh, to the same uh, normality that we had before. Um, but that being said, in, I agree with with what you say, Bobby. I mean, we do expect still that it's gonna improve, uh, but definitely not in the next two quarter. I think, and especially this quarter. It's going to be really challenging. The holiday season, the storms, the snow, we're going to for sure have uh, our fair share as we always have. It's just that you don't have the capacity, you don't have the the same agility. So that's why for us, as a shipper and especially into the consumer goods industry, it's really thinking about the consumer first and how can we get the product on the shelf as the right and the most important place, despite the challenges. Well said. Keeping it frank with an optimistic spin, right? Uh, I think you've got to be optimistic to be a supply chain practitioner, right? Based no, on some of the days. Definitely. <laughs> so we got some great comments. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have time to get through all of those. I want to make sure, Bobby, we enjoy these quarterly conversations. And Patricia, as busy as you are, and Monalee's team is thrilling your consumers around the world. Again, <laughs> Oreos and milk. Just keep the Oreos and milk coming and the world We'll, we'll, we'll stabilize things. Um, better place. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I want to make sure, Bobby, let us know the easiest way beyond the link, freight.usbank.com. That's how folks can, can sign up for this quarterly information that never disappoints, huh? Yep. It's a free link you know, or a free subscription, and you'll get it delivered in your email box quarterly. Wonderful. And we've got that link also in the show notes of today's episode. So y'all check that out. And as a follow-up, Bobby, how can folks, you know, I'm sure you get keynote requests and interview requests all the time. How can folks connect with you? I get some downwind of the freight.usbank.com link, which is the subscription link, but then also my information's on LinkedIn and it's current, uh, bobby.holland at usbank.com. And I'll be happy to answer whatever questions I can. Wonderful. Appreciate that, Bobby. And Patricia, same question. Uh, when you're not uh, solving the world's supply chain issues, uh, you and your your dy- uh, dynamic team there, how can folks connect with you? Through my uh, LinkedIn profile, obviously, um, I think is the easiest one. I agree with you. I'll tell you, LinkedIn's making things very easy for us. Well, big thanks, uh, Bobby Holland and Patricia Gabriel. Before they go, before they go, Greg, this is always a very informative data-driven conversation. Not As Bobby Holland said, not data scientist. How, how'd you put it, Bobby? Data science oriented. oriented. Yeah. I'm going to completely steal that phrase from you, Bobby. That is wonderful. Greg, <laughs> uh, these are these are really fun, but uh, important conversations we have. We love how we, we take kind of the, the voice of the data, so to speak, with Bobby Holland and then pair right. that with a leader from industry that is, you know, leading and doing it out there. Your final word, Greg, before we bid our guests adieu. Well, all of this has made me think 
uh, grocery store visit I made, <clears throat> excuse me, just uh, just some weeks back and the good work that Patricia and her team at Mondelez were doing. I think we even had the photograph that I took on one of the shows of the full shelves of Oreos of many varieties. So there are people persevering and succeeding even in this difficult environment, right? And and I'm sure that it's taking backflips and all sorts of unnatural acts to try and figure out how how to make this go. Clever acts, as Bobby coined the phrase, right? And I, I just want to applaud everyone who is doing that because I agree. It is important and it is about the consumer. And Patricia, great that you acknowledge that. My saying is the supply chain begins and ends with the consumer. It does. If not for them, we don't we're not needed. Yeah. So point. I just want to acknowledge the work that everyone's doing to get there and also to encourage consumers to be patient. This is not going to be the holiday of your youth or even even your recent past. Goods are going to be hard to come by. Many of them won't land. Many of them intended for Christmas won't land until after Christmas. A lot of those ships that are in port now, those are ships that are delivering goods for the spring fashion season, right? So if the goods aren't here, they may not be here for Christmas. And I would just encourage everyone to make an alternate plan besides yes. consumption. Right? Embrace. I mean, PTK every day, Greg, patience, tolerance, and kindness. We're going to need loads of that. Hopefully loads not stuck in cargoes to get through the end of year season, right? No doubt. No doubt. All right. So on that note, big thanks again to Bobby Holland, Director of Freight Data Solutions at U.S. Bank. Always a pleasure, Bobby. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And Glad to be you here. Bet. Best of luck this weekend too, Bobby, by the way. Let us know. <laughs> we need some pictures, right? And joining Bobby today was the one and only Patricia Gabriel, Vice President, U.S. Customer Service and Logistics with one of our faves, Mondelez International. Patricia, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. Yeah, Have a great thank weekend. You. Thank you, Bobby and Patricia. Thanks so much. Thanks. You know, there's always something else. It's just one additional thing I want to bring into the conversation, but it always messes with our timing. But that, I'll tell you, <laughs> with Bobby, <laughs> just hey, keeping it frank and transparent around there. Bobby and Patricia, gosh, we could sit down and uh, solve many of the world's challenges, huh? Yeah, no doubt. And uh, and here here's evidence that Patricia is already solving. Let me see if I can get this to focus on. There we go. <laughs> Patricia is already solving some of the world's challenges because that is the shelf, the, the store shelf that I was alluding to earlier. So it can be done. And Probably does take a lot of magic and witchcraft to make it happen these days, but it can be done. And and again, also, I think I think it's a great opportunity for people to just kind of sit back and reevaluate. People have been reevaluating what's important to them for 19 months now. So it's probably a good time to reevaluate what's important to you about the holidays and and how you'd like to spend them, because it may not even be possible to get what you know what you or your loved ones want for the holidays so excellent point excellent point enjoy presents spelled differently i think this year right mm, um agreed. big thanks uh to our production team appreciate all that y'all do really appreciate bobby dan and the whole u.s bank team for all the work they put into uh, a very helpful piece of research each quarter and big thanks of course whenever we get a chance to pair the, all, all of that 
with a senior leader from supply chain like Patricia Gabriel, which no man, it's like a passion. She loves what she, it just, it just, it came out in the prep meeting. It came out today. She loves what she does. And we need lots of enlightened and innovative leaders getting us through these times like her, right? No doubt. Yeah. Uh, do, doing great work. And I love the insights. I, I think U.S. Bank wants to have these insights from the people who are doing the doing, right? Right. From the people who are making these transactions and these shipments happen. So I think that's a great uh, and important point of view for us to expose there. Agreed. Agreed. Well, big thanks to you, Greg. Appreciate you joining me here today. Great to have you back in the saddle. I know things have been yeah. busy. It's a busy, busy fourth quarter for all these days. Big thanks to all of our listeners that tuned in here today. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody's questions and comments. Lots of, of uh, data and perspective to get through, as always, each quarter with our friends with U.S. Bank. Hey, folks, have a wonderful weekend. I'm not, Hopefully, the weather is as nice where you live as it is here in Metro Atlanta. I think those leaves have been blowed around just as much as they could possibly blow, be blowed around earlier today. I'm glad I didn't lose a connection, but always a pleasure. Hey, most <laughs> importantly, folks, most importantly, do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And with that being said, we'll see you next time right back here. At Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.